0: Good day. Welcome to Agronomy Update from the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm your host, Dave Nicolai. Today is May 8th, and I'd just like to start off a little bit in terms of where we are in terms of planting uh, corn, soybeans, and other crops around the state of Minnesota. First of all, we made quite a bit of progress in terms of corn planting this last week. Uh, We are now, according to uh, USDA, um, Minnesota State Ag News that came out at 38%. Uh, This is dramatically farther ahead than we were last week at this time. We were only 5%, but we're very, very close to the five-year average of 39% in terms of corn planted. Uh, My co-host, Dr. Seth Nave, University of Minnesota Extension soybean specialist, is with me. And Seth, where are we in terms of soybean planting, and uh, are we doing a good job?
1: Uh, I think we're doing a good job. We're catching up a little bit. We were at 1% last week. And now we're at 13% officially. So certainly, you know, as on the corn side, we got a lot of a lot planted over the weekend. So uh, this is all relative to Friday's um, census. I believe uh, those numbers are usually taken. So uh, we're we're definitely catching up. Last year we were 21%. Or I'm sorry, in the in the historical average is 21%. Um, and last year we were just at 2% this week. So. You know, we're, I think we're doing okay. This is, um, you know, we've had a little bit of a tough uh, spring here with a, a lot of snow, cold weather going very late this season. So uh, I feel really good about where we're at. We're definitely getting corn, or soybeans in along with the corn. Um, and so whether farmers are planting both simultaneously or farmers have just banged out quite a bit of their corn and now are, are working on soybeans in some of these areas, it's a little bit hard to tell. Uh, But driving around the state last week, I did see a lot of soybeans going in in south-central Minnesota. So I think it's just going to follow through through western Minnesota and then into northwest as we get a little bit better temperatures coming up.
0: Certainly, we've had some uh, hit-and-miss showers in some places in the state of Minnesota. Um, We still had some of that snow that was melting up in northwestern Minnesota. But the bottom line on the uh, report indicated our subsoil moistures Uh, was still rated uh, at 72% adequate and 14% surplus. So not too far off where we were uh, uh, the previous week. So uh, where things are going well there, sugar beet planting, I know talking to Dr. Tom Peters um, out of our uh, joint ndsu M weed specialist, uh, Tom indicated that in some places, uh, Breckenridge and and down into the Renville area, um, they had at least half of the sugar beets planted, if not more, um and you know they could rapidly close things off in the next week or two uh much farther though behind in terms of uh, sugar beet planting when we get up to uh the Moorhead area and, and on north so uh we wish those folks good luck in in terms of that well we'd yeah, like to I just
1: you know I just like to mention i mean the forecast is not very good we're not you know we're not seeing a lot of sunshine uh on those little symbols on uh on our phones and and there's a lot of clouds and a lot of 20s and 30% chance of rain coming up for much of the state over the next week. So I think that's a big part of this question is, you know, uh, farmers getting out there and, and taking advantage of working days right now while they have them and, uh, and making some progress now. So uh, I think that's, that's an important piece of where we're going to go.
0: And that's an excellent segue to our next portion of the program. I'd like to introduce uh, a, a gentleman that's uh, fairly new here to the University of Minnesota, Dr. Devlin Serangi. And Devlin is our University of Minnesota Extension uh, specialist in weed control, primarily working in the crops of corn and soybeans. And we're going to talk to Devlin a little bit more about some of that weed control that has to get started now, even as you mentioned, Seth, in terms of these intermittent showers when we talk about pre-emergence and so forth. But before we get into the subject matter, do you want to talk, Devlin, a little bit about your own background, Um, you know, how long you've been here at the University of Minnesota, and... uh, Little bit more about what your uh, work entails here. Uh,
2: thank you. Thank you, Dev, And thanks for the introduction. And uh, hi, Seth. So um, yeah, so my background, I did my bachelor's and master's uh, in a foreign country. It's in India. And then I moved to United States to do my PhD in Nebraska. And I worked on glyphosate-resistant water hemp, which was like that time, it was a big problem. Now we have more multiple resistant weeds there and palmer amaranth there. But um, that, that was a time like 2013, 14, when I started my PhD, glyphosate resistant water hemp was the biggest issue. And then um, I moved to Texas AM for one year to do some research fellow job and I worked on Palmer Amaranth there and then moved to Wyoming and then came to Minnesota. And so yes, Waterham and Palmer Amaranth definitely um Uh, two biggest species that we are currently working on at U of M and also we are working on other species like giant ragweed and foxtails. So yeah, we are uh, pretty much targeting the major weed species in the state.
0: Some of our audience might uh, be aware of the fact that your predecessor in this position uh, was here for many years, uh, Dr. Jeff Gonzalez, and so you're in a similar position as Jeff was but I think your program also entails, in addition to extension, you have a research component. Yes. Uh, graduate students, um, um, uh, quite a few in in terms of that. So you're you're balancing a lot of things.
2: Yeah. So we have three graduate students, and we are planning to bring one or two more this year. So we are growing, and uh, we are doing a lot of uh, applied weed management work, and doing some cover crop work because we know that cover crop can to weed suppression earlier in the season, but in Minnesota, due to our unique weather and climate pattern, we don't have much cover crop acreages, but it is increasing, I can see that. So there is a need from the stakeholder to work on that direction. Also, we are working on some other novel technologies like harvest time weed seed control, and we are working on some remote sensing technology. So we are trying to do some traditional applications applied work that will help the farmer today and we are also trying to do something that will probably help the farmer in the future. So we are trying to balancing that out.
0: Well as we indicated when we started the program here we had quite a bit of corn planted. Uh, We're rapidly moving up that and same with soybeans. Is there a recommendation that you would give to growers? Uh, You know we're looking at the weather forecast and there's always a chance of showers sometimes more than others. Um, how important is pre-emergence weed control uh, in the long run here in terms of uh, managing uh, our weeds or the things that we should be really trying to take care of, especially this coming week?
2: Yeah, that's definitely a good point. And um, so just to let you know, today my graduate student went to our Rosemont farm and sent me a picture of uh, waterhemp coming up. So today it's May 8th and waterhemp Coming up, and uh, lambs squatter is already up. Giant ragweed is already up. So, so yeah, like we are rushing for soybean and corn planting, but weeds are also rushing to come up. And as I recommend every year, that your uh, sprayer should follow your planter. Don't uh, don't be too behind, and then uh, you cannot catch up anymore. So the pre-emergence should be down and um, it should be uh, within three days of the crop planting that's what we say uh, because most of the pre-emergence should be down before your crop emerges and with the um, soil moisture and uh, warm days the soybean and corn will be up soon so it is better to put those pre-emergence down and i talked about water hemp today so water hemp like it is it can emerge throughout the season it's not like it, it the emergence is done it's just started and it will keep emerging throughout the season so it is better that we put some prees down so that we can control some of the early emerging cohorts of water hemp and some other weeds like lamp squatters. and then maybe we have to come back with post emergence in the future how critical is
0: having some rainfall? We know we talk about getting a pre-emergent on, but well, we're, we're concerned about getting that herbicide into what we call soil solution into that, in that top portion where a lot of our smaller weed seeds are, are, are located in there uh, briefly. Um, are there some rules of thumb as to how much rainfall would be desirable if you could, you know, in fact, order it up, but if you can get ahead of it, uh, what, what's your feeling on that?
2: Yeah, so um, in extension, we call it like activation of the preys. So you need some water in the soil to activate the prees But definitely, if you have uh, more rainfall, then, you know, those um, herbicide can leach down. So we say usually um, quarter to one inch rain is good for activating the prees, But um, sometimes like half inch rain can work best for most of the herbicide.
0: I know there's quite a bit of concern you know when when things come in that we might get you know behind. We've talked about weeds emerging a little bit later. Uh, I think one of the things that's that we're experiencing right now this this coming week is warmer air temperatures. uh, 70s some close to 80. And and Seth I, I did see that the temperatures soil temperatures at Lamberton um in fact had have jumped up quite a bit to uh uh in into the 60s so um you know it's it's good obviously for planting emergent you know soybeans but also um weed seed at the same time
1: for sure it's all it's a race um you know we last week we talked about pathogens and and you know the warm temperatures out, ramp up activity of the pathogens they ramp up uh, activity of the weeds uh, along with uh, our our crops that we're planting so you know i we we I think unduly as agronomists put a lot of emphasis on temperature because, um, you know, we want, we want our corn and soybean to get off to a good start. But the reality is, you know, that cold temperature is also, you know, pushing down on some other things. Um, on the other hand, when we, we have conditions like now where we're in potentially a bit of a rainy period, but with warm temperatures... Um, you know, it's good to have our crop out, but we also have to be concerned about those weeds that are under those same kind of um, situations or conditions and can, you know, push through as well. So I think that's this whole point about, you know, uh, getting our pre out is that we don't know when we're going to be held out of the field due to rain. And, um, you know, these these pathogens, and and in this case, the weeds continue to to emerge and, and push up.
0: I want to go back to talk a little bit about and there was recently some research uh Deblin I noticed it came out of Missouri in terms of uh concerns over resistance in some of the HPpd inhibitors and and and, and water hemp and I think one of the comments in uh, that those folks made was the need for a uh, a that contained more than one mode of action so forth you want to highlight a little bit why you know even though we're not Missouri is it still important here in Minnesota to Consider multiple modes of actions, even in a pre-situation. And, and for other folks that may not be familiar But why do we care?
2: Yeah, I'm um, I'm aware of this uh, news that came out of Missouri recently regarding HPPD-resistant water hemp And HPPD herbicides like Callisto, Laudace, or Balance, those are definitely strong herbicides in corn, and that has a big presence in corn production. And if we lose those chemistries, that will be Really big challenge for the uh, corn growers to control weeds like water hemp or Palmer amaranth. So that's why it's a big concern, and I'm aware of that. And just on the same note, I just want to tell you, recently one of our graduate students finished um, the screening of water hemp population from Minnesota, and we screened about 90 population. And so far, uh, my so for my, um, my results, uh, we are still analyzing the data, but so far my results shows that we we have some HPPD-resistant water hemp in Minnesota, and it's like um, about 20% of the population came out positive HPPD-resistant. So in the future, near future, we'll see that population will grow. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, I mean, relying on only those chemistries may not be a wise decision so we may need to uh, think about tank mixing them with other herbicide like atrazine or um, some metolachlor type product like dual type product so that we get uh, multiple modes of action to manage those weeds and you know there is a big concern for uh, metabolic resistance with this uh, hppd resistant water hemp and uh, things and you know, metabolic resistance. We probably don't have much time to talk today, but metabolic resistance is another level thing. So we, so far, we know about target site resistance, which is our roundup resistance or ALS resistance, like classic Pursuit. But metabolic resistance is the next level thing, where you don't know which herbicide it will be resistance. If it is showing resistance to HPPD, let's say calisto, it may show resistance to other chemicals. So it's pretty complicated thing. So we should not allow them to grow. We should just control them at the beginning with multiple mode of action.
0: So in the pre that you're perhaps purchasing for application, it may already have a. thing, But not, you know, maybe consider those situations with that. If you've been overly dependent on one mode of action, you know, year in and year out, even if you're in a corn soybean situation. Um, you know, it's just every other year. And, and, you know, so some folks would say that's not a real rotation because things come, come back together again. And, and certainly, uh, uh, with that. So I guess to sum this up in terms of a pre-emergence, uh, uh if, if you ordered up a perfect rainfall here, if we could get close to that half inch would be desirable quarter, maybe, but half, half or a little bit more in terms of getting it into, into that soil solution. Um, and so we can get, that's basically what we're talking about is activation, yep. uh, and down, uh, down in there and that, and that type of thing with that. Um, one of the things that we've talked about in the past was, uh, layering where say, for example, you have a, you know, a really bad water hemp situation. You might make one application, but post, but maybe come back with another one. Do you want to explain real briefly what is that definition of layering?
2: Yep. So, um, as I told you, waterhemp can emerge throughout the season. At least we saw this year, May 8th, we saw some waterhemp emerging in the Southeast Minnesota. And also uh, we saw last year, some of the waterhemp emerged close to late July. So there is a chance you get a big window for waterhemp emergence. So you need to have some kind of, Pre-herbicide down. Suppose you are spraying Roundup or Liberty as your post-emergence treatment. It is wise decision to put some pre uh, with the post tank mix so that it will control the later emerging cohorts of water hemp. So there are options available. For example, um, herbicide which is which comes in tank mix like Acuron or Acuron Flexi, you can split the dose because the uh, label allows to split the dose and put uh, as pre as well as part of the rate you can put as a post. So that is one option. And another option would be uh, having some kind of product like Warrant or Dual or Outlook in the tank mix with your foliar applied herbicide and, um, uh, get it out in your post emergence timing so that it will give you a little bit more wider window for controlling that late emerging cohorts.
0: Now, we've been cold and we're finally warming up, Seth, towards warmer. We talked a little bit of, uh, about that, but um, you know, a lot of people say we're going to have things simultaneous uh, uh, come up with that. I know you've been down to uh, your drainage site in southern Minnesota. Um, maybe it's a bit on early you're going down there uh, uh, this this week um, what do you hear from folks and in, in, in there I don't think we've got too much corn that's emerged other than Southeast Minnesota
1: yeah that's right there was a few fields that went in uh, in that area of South Central Minnesota that were able to get in during that April period um, but I wasn't able to row any of the corn yet I'm sure there's there is some corn that is coming up um, so there is some some corn out there um, but most of the corn went in last week and, and the weekend before that is I think the, the vast majority of that area where there was a lot of uh, rapid um, uh, planting going on at that time. So, um, you know, I think the question that we're really running into, and I kind of have a question for, for Devlin about it, is if, if there is a weather forecast that's looking for slight chance of rain over a full week period, if we have 40, 50% chance of rain every day for a week, you know farmers are out there trying to get in those last soybeans in southern Minnesota and maybe get in some corn uh, in central Minnesota. Uh, how do you balance this uh, question about planting versus getting a pre on uh, and how do how do they make those kind of choices um, uh, at that level because you know we've got a lot of farmers that are farming a lot of acres but they may not have the help to be able to do both operations at once or they may not have a co-op that's able to spray for them. So, how do they make those choices of, of operations, planting? I guess it really comes down to planting versus spraying in some of those situations.
2: Uh, that's an excellent question, Seth. So usually when you talk about prees, those prees should be down before your weeds and crops emerged. So that's by definition. But um, some of our pre's that uh, that are allowed to be sprayed when the crops are emerged too. So from emergence up to certain stage, you can spray those pre's. So you still, if you pick those herbicides, which has a little bit wider window for spraying and give you some uh, residual control in the soil, you still have some some option left. And sometimes, you know, if you, as you said, like sometimes they don't have enough help. But if you have enough help or if you can plant and spray together, like it's best idea to do it so that your uh, sprayer in does not fall behind from your planter. But, you know, I we understand the situation of the farmer. They w- have to work around the nature and the climate and weather, everything. So, yes, and if in case like you really wanted to put a pre down, but you could not, due to some circumstances, maybe come back with a early post-emergence application so that uh, the weeds cannot rob your yield and the weeds are really tiny to um, get controlled with those herbicides because we always talk about less than four-inch tall weed to be controlled with the post-emergence application. And then in the tank mix, you can put some uh, soil residual herbicides that will give you a little bit more control in the future
0: i think that's a very good point because we're probably going to run into that in a lot of areas maybe northwestern minnesota and some other areas of the of the state as well um, because if if you're in a situation where you can't plant you get rained out you maybe have part of the crop planted part of it not and by the time you get back there are emerged weeds probably in, in what i would call the seedling stage or that that one to two inch. And you, you know, you might have to consider that because um, we talk about reach back with some of these prees, and I think it's very limited when we get much size on in terms of these weed sizes. So uh, I wouldn't count on that, um, you know, situation. Certainly you want to continue maybe with the, with the pre, but you have to think about other things. If it turns dry, which it doesn't appear to be, you know, we can go back to rotary hoeing and incorporate the pre. But uh, right now I think we're, we're looking at our, our weather forecast and according to what you talked about earlier, Seth, of, of not having those little sunshine I- icons out there on the weather map.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I, you know, as you guys were talking, it kind of reminds me that um, it's a good reminder for folks to study their weeds 101 because, you know, knowing what species they have in their fields and knowing what's resistant and not, I mean, if we've got species out there that grasses and things like that, that we know that we can hit with our roundup, you know those things that can be cleaned up pretty easily here in this early season. But if you've got if you've got resistant weeds, then you're going to have to be more selective with your chemistries, uh, especially if we get um, you know and in, into a post emergence kind of a situation. So, you know, it's it's all about managing risk and it's understanding where we're at. But I think that knowledge base helps reduce some of the risk that we've got when we get into these situations potential situations where we've got some rainy periods coming on.
0: I think the weed ID is certainly important. I think Deblin you mentioned before when the grad students saw a small water hemp come up. Uh, we know I have talked to the folks in, the, in the Sugar Beets farther west in Chippewa and Renville, the same thing. You know, giant ragweed will be the other one um, that comes up comes up early. I think the thing about water hemp was we used to say, well, don't worry about it, it'll come up later. But now this the last couple of years it seemed to come up very early in with the with the soilworms. So um, it comes up early and just stays with us.
2: Yeah. And I'll go back to that uh, comments about early post emergence. So be careful if you're thinking about applying the post emergence, it should be down. ASAP because uh, within a within a day, the water ramp in a warm day, like 85, 90 degree days, they can uh, grow like one inch per day. So that's another thing you should consider when you are thinking about early post-emergence. It should be really early if you skipped your freeze. Okay,
0: rapid growth. Seth? As we kind of close into the end of the podcast here, well, I have, I, have kind of
1: a, yeah, I have a kind of a nichey question or comment. All I right. guess it, it follows my question earlier about um, getting these prees out. So, what about these farmers that do have cover crops out there? Um, what would you talk? What would you say to farmers that have a cover and are planting soybeans maybe into a green situation, um, and about um, you know terminating uh, some of those covers? What? What advice might you give them in this kind of a situation where we do have warm temperatures coming um, and potentially some a bit rainier period coming at least?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So one of our graduate students right now is investigating this cover crop thing and how we can adapt this cereal rye cover crop in Minnesota in a best way. So... We did one-year research last year, so this year will be the second year. Then we can kind of conclude it. But I can tell you a few things we saw in the first year. Number one, that if your cover crop gained a lot of biomass, that definitely helps with your weed control, especially the early season weed control. But uh, we also saw that in soybean, it's uh, going fine, but in corn, it does not go well because... that that much biomass corn cannot handle, probably with our equipment and with our soil condition and environment. So if you're planting corn, yeah, my best suggestion would be terminating cover crop in a tillering stage, which will gain some biomass, not really, Uh, too much biomass that will shade out the corn. However, for soybean, you can probably wait a little bit, go for planting green that we saw that um, there was no yield hit compared to like regular tillage and herbicide uh, methods. And if you can put, um, like when you are terminating your cover crop, if you can put a pre-down with that, that's the perfect choice because that gives you more time for your post-emergence treatment. We saw that with waterham lamb squatters, and giant ragweed. We saw exactly the same thing, that if you have a cover crop, gain substantial biomass, suppose you're planting like late May soybean, and then you have a pre-down with Roundup when you are... Con- like when you were terminating the cover crop, perfect choice. And we saw like it gives more window for weed management. So yep. again,
0: use of glyphosate obviously is Cree. I think made part of the part of the question in in there. Any last comments uh, of anything else on in terms of weed control, weed science that you want to make here as we close out?
2: Uh, just be uh, watch out for your weeds to emerge because you know like there are. Uh, weed species are coming up, giant ragweed up in the southern Minnesota, waterhemp is coming, and lamb squatter, I saw a lot of lamb squatter, woolly cup grass, I saw a lot of woolly cup grass right now. So yeah, please check what are the species coming up and based, like based on that, select your pre's because sometimes those pre, like let's say you are using dual or warrant, they cannot control the emerged weeds. So in that case, maybe something like um, like which one has like some uh, foliar activity, like Acuron type product that can be a best choice, especially for corn growers. So yeah, check out what are the weeds right now in your field. Um, maybe you have done your tillage two weeks back or one week back. So there is a substantial time that weeds, weeds started emerging. So check out that and happy planting and We'll get back to you in middle of the summer, probably, with post-emergence recommendation.
0: Well, good advice to uh, stop uh, what you're doing sometimes and take a look at those fields that have already been planted. Or if you're in the middle of planting, somebody else can scout. If you can't scout, but uh, someone should be taking a look at these fields as we uh, progress and go forward with that. Uh, with that, we'd like to uh, thank, uh, again, Dr. Devlin Serangi, our our new uh, University of Minnesota Extension weed scientist—I shouldn't say new, but I've been here for a while. <laughs> but it seems, well, since uh, since COVID, so we really appreciate you stopping by here for the uh, uh, for the podcast for this week. And then, on behalf of uh, uh, Seth Nave, our, our my other co-host here, we'd like to thank um, uh, Devlin for coming by and providing that uh, information here on agronomy update. And uh, with that, stay safe and uh, have a good day.
2: Thank you. Thanks to both of you.